listening to Abiding Hope Church's podcast of our weekly sermons. For more information about our church, please visit abidinghope.org. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 10th chapter. Jesus said, Very truly, I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate but climbs in by another way is a thief and a bandit. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls for his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought them, brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them. And the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will not follow a stranger, but they will run from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this figure of speech with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So again, Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. And all who came before me are thieves and bandits. But the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. The Gospel of the Lord. Are you enjoying the music so far? It's wonderful, isn't it? There's more to come. More to come. You wait. There's there's amazing stuff ahead here uh, with the music. I'm so appreciative of our worship leadership here at Abiding Hope. I have come so that they may have life and have it abundantly. Life. Throughout human history, human beings have tried to discern to understand the meaning, the purpose of life. Who are we? Why are we here? What is life about? Humans have tried to control life, to manage life, to be on top of life. Humans have tried to figure out how to use and and utilize life in order to, to gain what they want, to achieve their dreams, to accumulate, to have. But life isn't meant to be understood. Life isn't meant to be controlled. Life is meant to be experienced. We can't define life, just as you can't define love. You know, how do you explain to somebody what it feels like to be with that person you love, to hold that child for the very first time? You can't explain that. When you are fully alive, fully alive, how do, you, how do you explain to someone how to get there or, or what that's like? It, it's impossible. Life isn't meant to be understood. It's meant to be experienced. I think the worst thing that could happen to us in the world is that we get to the end of our life and realize we never actually lived. We oriented ourselves toward things that we thought life was about, but things that actually robbed us of life. 
there are a lot of things that rob us of life. And this is where we're, we're going to have some public participation uh, this morning in the message. What's something that takes life in our world today? Certainly we could say wars and, and, and violence, cell phones, social media is life-taking. How many of us are doing life like this, right? We think life is just about Instagram or, or um, what's that other one, uh, Twitter or Facebook. What's that, what's that one from China? TikTok. Just all these senseless videos. Life? That's life? That's not life. That's life-taking. How about all the violence that's been happening lately? You know, we had, there's another shooting in Texas. Five people dead. They still haven't found this person, right? You seen that? Or how about these three young men who were throwing rocks at cars and a young woman was killed? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? What, ah, what else? What's life taking in our world today? Addiction. What's that? Addiction. Addiction. Big issue today. Coming out of the pandemic, we're seeing more addiction than we've seen before. What else? Prejudice, Prejudice bias, white nationalism, right? Uh, white supremacy, all of these things that, that stifle and, and oppress and hold people back. What else is life taking in our world? Rage, rage, anger. When you drive your car, can you just let people in? Just let them in, right? Go a little slower. You'll get there. You'll get where you're going. Just slow down and let them in. It's okay. It's okay. And if they scowl at you, you just smile and wave. Smile and wave. Make a sign of the cross or something, you know? Just, you want to freak people out, just make a sign of the cross at them. That's, that's a good thing. It's what I do. I don't know. What's that? Yeah, blow him a kiss. Yeah, but I, I don't know if that would be the great best thing to do, Gene, but um, yeah. What's life taking in our world today? Greed. You know, um, we were all taught that we were to go to school, get, get good grades so we can go to good college, get a good job, and make lots of money, and that's what life's about. And then we, we live in this community. If you're able to live in this community, you're at the top of the food chain. You made it. Congratulations. You succeeded. You're wealthier than the vast majority. Ninety-some percent of humans on the planet live with less than what you have. But we still think we need more, don't we? We still think we don't have enough. And what we do is we hold our stuff like this with clenched fists. And we're afraid we're going to lose it. We're afraid somebody is going to come and take it from us. We're afraid the government just wants our money. The church just wants our money. People just want our money. And, and we're afraid that, that it's going to be taken away from us. And we see everybody then as a threat. And it's life-taking, isn't it? It's life-taking. What else is life-taking? Anything else? Fear, anxiety. We have a lot of fear and anxiety today. And the interesting thing about anxiety is anxiety becomes like an onion with layers. We become anxious about our anxiety. Or I don't know about in your family system, but like if one of my kids has anxiety, I catch it too. And then sometimes I fuel it because my own anxiety, I can't handle their anxiety, which means I'm not handling my own, and then I give it back and make it worse. And we, we just create these onions of anxiety and fear in our lives. Jesus had some good advice. He said, don't worry. 
He said, just live today. Just live your life today. We'll take care of tomorrow tomorrow, right? It's okay. Just be alive today. How often do you stop and look at plants, trees, flowers? Remember the old thing, stop and smell the roses? Remember that saying, stop and smell the roses? Well, when we have our faces in our, in our smartphones and, and we're living life this way, there's no time. We, we go past beauty and we don't even see it. I go on contemplative walks where when I see something beautiful, I just stop and gaze at it. Or I'll walk up really close and just look at a, look at a leaf way close up. Check it out. Take your shoes and socks off and run, run your feet through the grass. And by the way, smelling grass is a good, good thing, right? Freshly mown grass, that's a good thing. So think about the things that are life-giving. What is it that generates life? What creates life? What helps us to live and appreciate life? What is it? Generosity. Generosity. Think of a moment when you felt most alive, when you felt like your life had purpose and meaning, and I guarantee you were giving something. You were giving love. You were giving compassion. You were giving forgiveness. You were giving uh, something physical to someone else. We're doing Planting Hope capital appeal. You know about this. Pastor Julie uh, just announced about it. We have about 100 families who have committed over 1.1 million so far. The goal is to have two and a half million because what we're doing is we're purchasing property just north of us here, 5707 South Sims, where we're launching a nature-based learning center. The great thing about this program is it's going to serve children with neurodiversity. You know, not all kids learn the same way. And kids with neurodiversity, they have challenges in learning. And when parents find out that their child is neurodiverse, you talk about panic, that's a moment of panic. And parents pray, they pray, God help me with my child, help my child, give, give us the resources we need so I can, I can surround this child with what she needs so that she can be successful in school, so that she can be fully actualized in her life. Help us, Lord. And so what happened here a few years ago is these families were praying, and the Holy Spirit came to a few wonderful people in our community and, and tapped these wonderful people on the shoulder and said, hey, we've been getting prayers from these moms and dads for their children, and there's no program in Colorado that serves preschoolers with neurodiversity. Could Abiding Hope do that? And these wonderful people who got this message from the Holy Spirit, they started telling other people here. And we all started saying, well, not only why couldn't we do it, we think we should. If we have the capacity to create a ministry like this that's serving families with small children, with neurodiversity, shouldn't we do that? I mean, that absolutely that needs to be done. And it's not just about this community. Mission Investment Fund, who's loaning us the money to purchase the property, they want to do a featured story on this so that other churches around the country can learn about this and it can be replicated. We have 100 families who have committed to this over $1.1 million. We need to get to 2.5. We have over 550 families here at Abiding Hope. So there are a lot of folks who haven't yet committed to this. And I can't think of one reason not to commit to planting hope. 
you might have to make some sacrifices. You might have to give up some things that maybe the world has told you you need to be happy, but it's really not going to make you happy. You know, we go out and we buy that, that toy, and, and we're really excited for that toy, and we have the high from the toy, and then what happens? The high wears off, and then we need a bigger toy, right? We need something else flashy to make us feel good. Well, let's get off of that treadmill and devote ourselves to something that truly matters. Generosity generates life. Giving to planting hope is going to generate life in you because you're going you're gonna to take what God has given you. We're not to hold things with clenched fists. We're to hold things like this because you know you, know, you don't own anything. You don't own anything. You came into the world with nothing, and you're going to leave with nothing. Everything you have right now will be owned by somebody else later on. And so what God calls us to do is to hold things with open hands. Things can come and things can go. And we see everything we have is meant to be a blessing, not just in our own lives, but in the lives of others. You give to planting hope in order to, to generate this nature-based learning center. And children who aren't even born yet are going to be blessed by it. Couples that aren't even married yet are going to be blessed by it. It's going to bless generation after generation after generation. And the only thing that would hold us back from committing is if we're listening to the lies of the world, telling us we don't have enough. We need everything for ourselves. Everything belongs to us. Those are lies. Those are the kinds of lies that get us to the end of our lives, and we realize we never actually lived. Generosity generates life, love, service, forgiveness, compassion, mercy. See, we know, we know what's life-taking. We know what's life-giving. God has given us the gift of life, but it's up to us to actually use it. Anybody ever given you a gift and you say thank you and then just put it in a closet and never use it? Don't let that be your life. Don't let that be your life. Jesus came into this world and he could see beauty in everyone. Anytime anyone asked of him, he gave. Anytime. He held nothing back. If people were hungry, he fed them. If they were sick, he healed them. If they died, he raised them up. Whatever it took, because he could see beauty and goodness in everyone. Even when they were nailing him to the cross, he could see beauty in the people who drove the nails. When he said, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. They don't know why they're here. They don't know who they are. And on the third day after Jesus died, God raised him from the dead to show us life is about love. Life is about trust in a God who always comes through. Life is about pouring ourselves out now in this time and in this place so that life can be perpetuated from generation to generation to generation. When God brought Jesus out of the tomb, when he brought, brought the Christ out of the tomb, God brought the creation out of the tomb. God said all of those things that are holding the creation back from fully living, those got nailed to the cross. Now the creation is free. God brought humanity out of the tomb. God brought us out of the tomb. All of the stuff that gets in the way of us truly living got nailed to the cross so that now you can live fully 
alive. I've come that they may have life and have it abundantly. Not half-life, not sort of life, whole, complete, meaningful life. And it comes through relationships. It comes through sharing together. I love that our children are saying, you know, the greatest thing in life is growing with our family and our friends. Isn't that beautiful? Kids, the, kid, they, the kids get it. The question is, are we ready to fully live? So, my friends, this planting hope appeal that we're doing, it matters. We're not just balancing the budget. This isn't about increasing the bottom line. This is about answered prayer and serving families. And I pray that you will do everything within your ability, within your power, to give generously to this appeal so that you might live and so that countless others might live and that we might come to a day in this community and within society where we recognize what life is truly about. God loves each of you, and I do too. Amen.